0: Good morning H2O. I hope you're all doing uh, really great this morning. As Grant said, my name is Trevor uh, and I'm on staff here with H2O, uh, H2O Church Cincinnati and I'm going to be bringing the word to you here this morning. Um, and As Grant said, this morning we'll be continuing in our summer sermon series called Abundance, where each week we're, we're exploring and diving into a different spiritual discipline uh, that God has given to us. Um, and we've talked about how these spiritual disciplines are these spiritual fundamentals, as I like to refer to them by as well are not ends in and of themselves, but rather they are means to greater ends, right? And those greater, those greater ends being uh, deeper personal intimacy with God, growth in godliness, um, and greater maturity in Christ. And coming into today, we've covered three different spiritual disciplines so far. Three weeks ago, Grant taught us on uh, the study of Scripture. Two weeks ago, Aaron taught us on the discipline of service. And last Sunday, John taught us on the discipline of worship. And as Grant said, this morning we're going to be exploring and diving into the spiritual discipline of prayer. And, and prayer is awesome for a bunch of different reasons. It's a precious gift that God has graciously given to us. And we see that our perfect role model, Jesus, lived a life of devoted prayer. So that should, in, in and of itself, tell us that prayer is super, super important. There's a lot of stuff about prayer that I want to share with you today. So I'm going to pray over us and over our time together, and then we're going to hop right in. All right? So Please bow your heads. And uh, pray with me now, Father God. God, we just acknowledge you here in this place, God. God, we th- God, we thank you, God, that you you delight to be here, and God, that you are here. God, we acknowledge you as the Lord God Almighty, as the King of Glory, as the Alpha and the Omega. God, you are so awesome and god we thank you for christ jesus and the ability we have to approach your throne with confidence and freedom and boldness god i pray that god you just pour out your spirit on this place pour out your spirit onto me god i pray that the words that i say would be your words not mine god that any words that do come out of my mouth that are just mine god help them just fall harmlessly to the floor god holy spirit we just pray again you would fall on this place you would move in our hearts Moving our minds, and moving our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so to start, I want to give you an overview of what we're going to do over the next 50 minutes or so. First, I'm going to share with you a simple definition of what prayer is, just so we're all on the same page together. And then right after that, I'm going to show you what God thinks about our prayers. Then, we're go- then after that, I'm going to um, show you what, um, or I'm sorry, then we're going to jump into some of the reasons why prayer is so important, and why it's so important for us to have vibrant and healthy prayer lives. And then I'm gonna give you some practical teaching and tips on how to pray effectively, powerfully, and biblically. So here's my simple definition of what prayer is. Prayer is relational communication with God. And also, uh, I'd just like to note, this is in my, in my notes. I had uh, a number of slides prepared for you. Um, so I just encourage you to really like listen into some of these scriptures, some of these things I'm saying this morning. Uh, maybe I'll like read, read things, maybe, um, a couple times um, just so it really like sinks in with you. So here's my simple definition of what prayer is. Again, prayer is relational communication with God. Short, sweet, and to the point, right? Prayer is simply talking with God. And I think that sometimes we can really lose sight of how simple prayer is supposed to be. So even as we take a deep dive into prayer together this morning, remember that prayer is meant to be simple and that prayer is simply relational communication with God. And simple doesn't mean that it's easy Simple just means that it isn't complicated. Now, have you ever wondered what God thinks about your prayers? If you have, I'm about to tell you. And if you haven't, I'm still about to tell you something cool. In Revelation 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, we read this. And when the lamb had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. What I want to point out to you from this verse is there at the end, where it says that the four living creatures and the 24 elders in heaven are holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And I want to briefly explain uh, to you the significance of this imagery that we're seeing here in Revelation 5, because God is very clearly telling us right here what he thinks of our prayers. To understand this imagery in Revelation 5, you need to understand what incense is. Incense is kind of like a candle in some ways. Uh, incense is a substance that is burned, and when it is burned, it produces a very sweet and a very pleasant aroma or fragrance or smell in the air, kind of like a candle does. So when Revelation 5.8 tells us that our prayers are like golden bowls full of incense, what Jesus is communicating to us here is that our prayers are like a pleasing aroma or a sweet-smelling fragrance that God enjoys and delights in. So your prayers and my prayers are heard, received, and deeply enjoyed by God in the same way that he would enjoy and take delight in the pleasing aroma of burning incense. How cool is that? The God of the universe hears, receives, and enjoys your prayers. He takes delight in your prayers. When your prayers come up to him, he just breathes it in. He just embraces it, and he loves it. He delights it. I don't know what you think about all this, but that in in and of itself inspires me so much, and that makes me want to pray. And it's my hope and my prayer that you are also encouraged and inspired by this truth as well. This is so awesome, and God is so good. Um, Now let's jump into some of the reasons why it's so important for us to pray, and why it's so important for us to have vibrant and healthy prayer lives. This morning, I'm going to share with you three primary reasons why it's super important to have a solid and healthy prayer life. There are definitely more than three reasons why prayer is important, but we don't have time to get into any more than than three this morning. And the first reason that prayer is so important is that prayer is one of the greatest withness practices we have. Prayer is one of the greatest withness practices that we have. Not witness, got to add an H in there, withness, okay? As in being with one another or with someone. Prayer is one of the greatest withness practices that we have. And what I mean is that prayer is one of the greatest ways that we can simply be with God relationally in his presence. When we come to God in prayer, it isn't just about getting something from God. And it isn't just about getting God to do something for us. When we come to God in prayer, it's also about pursuing the presence of God and simply just being with God in his presence. And don't get me wrong, there is so much power and so much effectiveness and so much real potential to literally change the world and transform the world when we, when we bring our requests to God and call upon the power of God through our faith-filled prayers. And we're, and we're going to get into that part of prayer more here in a little bit. But it's very, very important that we realize that prayer isn't just about getting something from God and it isn't just about getting God to do something for us. Prayer is also so much about simply pursuing the presence of God and being with God relationally in his presence. Dwelling with him. Being with him. Just delighting in him. We have a culture of of, of hurry and rush and all these kinds of things. We need to just view prayer as this thing where we just come and we be with God. We celebrate him. We enjoy him. We delight in him. We celebrate him. We honor him. We say yes. Yes, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Amen? You see, God deeply and passionately desires to be with you. And he deeply and passionately desires that you would be with him. He deeply and passionately desires to be with you. And he deeply and passionately desires that you would be with him. In every book of the Bible... Every book of the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation is filled with God saying with his words, his actions, and his promises, come be with me. It's Beautiful. Let me show you just a few examples of this in the scriptures. In Genesis 3, right after Adam and Eve um, ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and in doing so, sinned for the first time ever, the Bible says that Adam and Eve immediately heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And my interpretation of this is that God saw them sin, since God sees everything, and that he was coming to be with them and to comfort them and to help them. I don't think he was rushing in to just smite them or anything like that. I think he was coming to be with them, to help them, to comfort them. Even in their sin and their rebellion, God wanted to be with his people. And let that be a truth that really sticks in your heart here this morning even when you sin and fall short of the glory of God, God still wants to be with you. Even when you sin and fall short of the glory of God, God still wants to be with you. The spiritual enemy will try to convince you that when you sin, you need to avoid God, or hide from God, or distance yourself from God. But the truth is, when you sin and fall short of the glory of God, God still wants to be That's just how awesome and how full of mercy and grace and love he is. So we see this concept of withness in Genesis chapter 3. In chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, the scriptures say this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us where? With him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. In chapter 17 of the gospel of John, Jesus is praying to God the Father, and he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. And we see across the scriptures that Jesus Christ has many different titles, right? Savior, Lord, King, teacher, mediator, good shepherd, the light of the world, all this kind of stuff. But there's one title in particular I really want to point out to you. It's found in chapter one of the gospel of Matthew, specifically Matthew 1, 23. It's a prophecy of Jesus. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with with us. So we see this concept of witness all across the scriptures, and I hope that you can see God does deeply and passionately desire to be with you, and he deeply and passionately desires that you would be with him. I don't know about you, but I really, really want to be with God. Prayer is one of the greatest witness practices that we have. Prayer is one of the greatest ways that we can be with God in his presence. And when I say that, I want to make it clear that there are other ways to practice withness. Right? Even as you're just walking to class or you're in class or you're at your job or, or just doing something and just even acknowledging the presence of God with you. That's a way to practice withness. And that's so great and I encourage you to do that. But prayer is one of the greatest witness practices that we have because he is the focus. Just him and you being and in addition to just how great it is to be in God's presence and how great it is to enjoy Him and praise Him and celebrate Him and enjoy Him, so much awesome stuff, hap- stuff happens when we simply pursue the presence of God in prayer and be with God in prayer. First, our time with God in prayer naturally deepens our personal relationship with Him. The more, that you genuinely, the more time that you genuinely spend in the Word of God and in the presence of God through prayer, Not just mindlessly going through the motions in these things, but really having your heart and your mind present in these things, in the word of God and in prayer. The more in love with him you will become, the more captivated by him you will be, and the more captured by him your heart will be. And this is the case, because when you spend time with God in his word and in prayer, guess what? He gives more of himself to you. He reveals more of himself to you. And as he does that, guess what? We encounter and we experience more of him. And as we encounter and as we experience more of him, we, be, we, we fall more in love with him. We are more captivated by him. We are more captured by him. You can have as much of God as you want. In, in this life, it's, it's a glass ceiling, right? We will never know God fully in this life. We can't. If God showed his fullness to us, we would like explode or something. I don't know. Like, we will, we, will know, we, we will never know God in his fullness in this life. And because of that, th- we can always experience more. We can always encounter more. Right? So in prayer, in our time with God in prayer, we, we, we get to encounter him and experience him more and our, our relationship with him deepens. And brothers and sisters, God is amazing. Nothing and no one else in this life compares to him and his presence at all. And when we pursue God's presence through prayer, we get to encounter more and more of him, grow in our relationship with him. And not only that, our time with God in prayer also helps our hearts to come more and more in alignment with God. And it helps our hearts to become more in tune with the Holy Spirit. Our time with God in prayer helps our hearts come into greater and greater alignment with God. It helps our hearts to become more in tune with the Holy Spirit. In the scriptures, we see that Jesus' heart was so aligned with the heart of the Father, and he was so in tune with the Holy Spirit. Jesus regularly had the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through him to perform healings, to open the eyes of the blind, to raise people back from the dead, to give awesome teachings, and so much more. Jesus was so sensitive to and aware of the leadings and guidance of the Holy Spirit in his life And Jesus was so full of peace and joy and security, even though he experienced almost constant trials, persecutions, rejections, and hardships. And and all this begs the question of how. How was Jesus so aligned with the heart of the Father? And how was he so in tune with the Holy Spirit? I think we tend to think that it was because Jesus was God in the flesh, and it was easy for him. Well, we have to remember that Jesus was indeed God in the flesh but he was also fully man and because he was fully man he had to radically rely on the Holy Spirit and he had to radically rely on God the Father. I actually don't think it was just a cakewalk for him. So how did Jesus have this alignment with the Father and how was he so in tune with the Holy Spirit? I think there are probably multiple reasons, but I think one of the biggest reasons is because Jesus lived a life of devoted prayer. Because Jesus often and actively sought out the presence of God. In Luke 5 16, the scriptures tell us Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And, and can, that, can that be said about you? do you often withdraw to lonely places and pray? I really believe one of the biggest reasons that Jesus' heart was so aligned with the Father, one of the biggest reasons he was so in tune with the Holy Spirit is because he lived a life of devoted prayer. And I firmly believe if we will do the same, if we will seek God in prayer, and if we will be with God in prayer, then our hearts will come into greater alignment and we will become more in tune with the Holy Spirit as well. And still not just that, our time with God in prayer also transforms us more and more into the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, when we spend time with God, pursuing his presence, and when we spend time just with God in prayer, not being like, hey God, this is what I need, and then jetting out of there, but actually coming and being with him in his presence, we put ourselves in a position for the Holy Spirit to transform us more and more and more. And God is pleased to do this. That's a biblical truth. And I I can also say that the people in my life who love Jesus the most who are the most passionate about Jesus and who have undergone the most transformation of heart by the Holy Spirit are without a doubt the people that I know who spend regular quality time in the presence of God through the word of God and prayer. Prayer isn't just about getting things from God. It isn't just about getting God to do something for us. It's also about simply pursuing his presence and being with him. Because of this, don't rush your prayers. Don't rush your prayers. Another reason that prayer is so important is that in prayer, we get to directly glorify God. In prayer, we get to directly glorify God. Because Jesus Christ has made us sons and daughters of God by his life, death, and resurrection, we get to go into the throne room of God and directly give God so much praise and glory and honor and love and affection and recognition. We get to do this. You get to literally go into the throne room. I once heard it said that our prayers don't travel very far. And I love that. Because really, when we pray, we are going into the throne room of God. God is here with us. And this is so awesome. And the scriptures are loaded with this truth, that we get to directly bring God so much praise. In Isaiah 25.1, the prophet Isaiah says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. And notice here in this verse that Isaiah is giving his praise directly to God. He's not just talking about how awesome God is. He is directly telling God how awesome he is. In Psalm 63, we see the praise and glory and love that King David gives to God in prayer. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied, as with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. And in Matthew chapter 11, we see Jesus Christ himself giving praise and adoration to God the Father, when he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased God is so worthy and God is so good and he is so deserving of our praise, our worship, our love, our affection, and our recognition. So let's be people who give it to him. Let's be people who go directly into the throne room of God and give it to him. And I know that I spent much less time on this point of glorifying God than I did the previous point, but that doesn't mean that this point is any less valuable, okay? I'm just not expanding anymore on this point because John taught us on praise and worship last week. Okay, so I don't feel the need to, to expand on that a whole lot more. And as I mentioned a little while ago, there are a number of additional reasons why prayer is super important, but I'm going to share with you just one more primary reason this morning for the sake of time, and it's this. Prayer is important because we can do nothing on our own, and we must rely on God. Prayer is important because we can do nothing on our own, and we must rely on God. In chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. The pride that lives in our sinful flesh really doesn't like to hear that we can do nothing on our own. Right? The pride that lives in our sinful flesh wants to tell us that we actually can do some stuff on our own, in our own power, with our own strength, or in our own abilities. But we have to resist the temptation to believe our flesh in these things because Jesus says in John 15 that we can do nothing on our own. And with humility and reverent submission, we have to believe Jesus' words here. Now, is Jesus saying in John 15 that I don't have the ability to go into my kitchen and make a peanut butter sandwich? In one sense, yes, right? Because, like, Jesus is the one who is sustaining me. He's giving me breath in my lungs. He's, uh, he's giving me strength in my bones, all these kinds of things. But I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here in John 15. Rather, what I think that Jesus is talking about in John 15, when he says that we can do nothing on our own, has to do with the things relating to righteousness, godliness, holiness, and the powerful advancement of the kingdom of God. Because if you'll notice, Jesus is talking throughout this John 15 passage specifically about bearing fruit, or in other words, living a life of righteousness, godliness, and holiness, and powerfully advancing the kingdom of God. In John 15, I believe that Jesus is telling me that I don't have the ability on my own to love and to lead and to care for my wife well. I think he's telling me that on my own, I don't have the capacity to love others radically, sacrificially, and selflessly that on my own, I don't have the strength to resist temptation, that on my own, I don't have the ability to bring a soul back to life for eternal salvation in Christ Jesus, that on my own, I don't have the ability to bear the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and humility. I don't have, I don't even have the desire on my own to obey God or love God without him in the things relating to righteousness, godliness, holiness, and the powerful advancement of the kingdom of God, we can do nothing on our own. And we will not bear fruit unless, until we believe that. We will not bear fruit until we believe that. We have no hope of doing any of these things on our own, and this is a truth that we must humbly accept, because it's true for all of us. And because we cannot do any of these things on our own, we must radically and constantly rely on God through through devoted and faith-filled prayer. And relying on God through prayer can look like a couple of different things. One, relying on God through prayer looks like pursuing the presence of God and being with God relationally, just as we've been talking about already this morning. And and again, as we genuinely pursue the presence of God and are simply with God in prayer, our personal relationship with him deepens, our hearts align with God more and more, we get more in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we get transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And all of these things help us, empower us, and strengthen us to live righteously and to minister to others powerfully. But relying on God in prayer also looks like us bringing specific requests to God as well. And I want to talk to you more in depth about this now. I want to talk to you about the great power and the great effectiveness that there is in bringing our requests to God in prayer the ability to go into God's presence and bring our requests our needs and our cares to him is awesome and God wants us to do this God wants us to bring our requests our cares and our needs to him in prayer God is a good father and an awesome provider who loves to provide for and to help his kids and his kids is us we are his kids God not only celebrates, enjoys, and delights in our prayers of praise to him, God also celebrates, enjoys, and delights in our praise of request and supplication as well. Truly, God loves it when we come to him for help, for strength, for provision, for breakthrough, for fruit in ministry, and for whatever else. God loves these prayers just as much. Believe, know, and have confidence in the fact that God wants you to bring your requests, your needs, and your cares to him in prayer. The biggest things in your life, the smallest things in your life, and everything in between. Take it all to God in prayer. Don't hold anything back from God in prayer. I also want you to believe and to know that your prayers can and do transform the world. Your prayers can and do transform the world. And it's not just because the the power and the effectiveness just isn't in your prayer itself, but it is in the God who hears and responds to your prayer. And he is able to transform the world. But your prayers can and do transform the world. In James 5.16, God tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And I want each of you to really believe that. To really believe that your prayers are powerful and effective. I want each of you to believe that your prayers can and do change the world. And don't let the spiritual enemy convince you that you aren't enough of a righteous person for your prayers to be powerful and effective. Through the gospel, Jesus Christ has made you the righteousness of God. So if you are in Christ, then your prayers are powerful and effective, period. And the scriptures themselves tell us and show us that our prayers truly do change things. One of the many times that the scriptures do this is right here in James 5.16. When James 5.16 tells us that our prayers are effective, what that means is that our prayers have an effect. That's what being effective means. It means that our prayers have an impact. So believe that your prayers of faith can and do transform the world. And be comforted by the fact that the power and the effectiveness of prayer isn't in the eloquence or the strength of your prayers, but it is in the one who hears and responds to your prayers. Again, the power and the effectiveness of prayer isn't in the eloquence of your prayers or the strength of your prayers. It is in the one who hears and responds to your prayers. And because of this, even your weakest, most broken, most desperate, and most raw prayers are still very powerful and effective. And listen to what the scriptures say in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, and let this encourage you in prayer. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. How awesome is that? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us brothers and sisters there is nothing that your god cannot do god is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine just think just think of the wildest thing that you can that you can seriously imagine god doing This scripture from Ephesians 3 is telling us that God cannot just do that, but that he can do more than that. And not that he can just do more than that, but that he can do immeasurably more than that. That you can't quantify how much more he's able to do than that. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we just have to humble ourselves and pray and ask in faith. And just think about this logically with me for a minute. Do we want to rely on ourselves our limited strength, our limited, limited abilities, our limited capacities, or do we want to rely on the one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine? I think the answer is clear there. So let's be people who confidently and boldly bring our requests to God in prayer, believing that God wants us to, believing that our prayers are powerful and effective, and believing that there is nothing that our God cannot do. And if we will humble ourselves and radically rely on God in prayer, we will see things change. We will. The question is, do you you want to be a part of it? I can confidently say that we truly will see things change around us when we devote ourselves to prayer. Because one, I trust what God says in his word. And God tells us in his word that our prayers do have a powerful effect because they go to him and he is a powerful God. Because I see so many instances in scripture where God moves in power in response to the prayers of his people. Just go read the book of Acts if you want to see this. And because I've already seen God powerfully and even miraculously answer so many prayers that either I've prayed or people close to me have prayed. I could seriously, I'm not going to do this, but I could seriously stand up here for another hour and tell you story after story after story after story after story story of times that God has powerfully and graciously answered my prayers or the prayers of people close to me. I could stand at least another hour. I could just give you story after story after story. And something that I personally do is I keep an answered prayer journal of all the times that I very clearly see God answer my prayers or the prayers of people close to me. I really encourage you to do the same because it's so cool to see anytime that I'm feeling discouraged or apathetic in my prayer life when it comes to bringing requests to God, I just open up that answer prayer journal and it isn't very long at all until I'm right back like just bringing my request to God boldly and confidently. And earlier in this sermon, I talked to you about how prayer isn't just about getting things from God or asking God to do something for us, but that it is also about pursuing the presence of God and simply being with God in his presence, enjoying him, praising him, and delighting in him and in his presence. And this is true. But when I say that, I don't want you to think that I am at all neglecting, overlooking, or under-prioritizing the importance and the value and the real power of bringing our requests to God in prayer. Is pursuing the presence of God and being with God in prayer and bringing our requests to God in prayer are both primary reasons why prayer is so important and so good. Both. It's not. I I don't believe that there's one of these things that is greater than the other necessarily. But we have to do both. Let's be people who walk in both, pursuing the presence of God in prayer and being with Him in prayer, and also bringing our requests to God in prayer as well. God wants you to do both of these things. And I touched on this pretty briefly earlier, but I want to make sure that I hit on it again now. At the heart of coming to God in prayer with our requests is humility. Without humility, we will not pray. Without humility, we will not pray. We must humble ourselves and realize that we are so limited and that we are so incapable of bearing any godly fruit on our own. We must humble ourselves and choose to rely on God. In James 4, verse 2, God's word says, and you do not have because you do not ask God. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, I felt like that's what, God, that's what God's truth was for us, like to our prayer or, or to, to our pride, I'm sorry. He's speaking to our pride, you do not have because you do not ask God. How many things have we missed out on? How many things do we not have because we haven't humbled ourselves and prayed and radically relied on God and his power? God wants to move. God wants to give, to give it to us. I once heard Pastor David Platt say a simple one-liner that will stick with me for the rest of my life. He said prayerlessness is pridefulness prayerlessness is pridefulness and it's so true if we aren't radically relying on God and his Holy Spirit through prayer then what we are saying with our actions is that we actually can do things on our own that we actually can follow Jesus on our own and that we actually can advance the kingdom of God on our own but as we talked about earlier Jesus has already told us that we can't bear any fruit on our own Let's be people who humble ourselves and radically rely on God and His Holy Spirit through prayer and all things. And we may work, and we may strive, and we may slave away at ministry, but if we aren't relying on God and His Holy Spirit, then we won't actually be bearing any fruit. All, we'll, all we will be doing is working, striving, and ministering, but we won't actually be bearing fruit. Now, at the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to get into some practical how-to stuff When it actually comes to praying, one of the best ways that we can learn to pray is by praying. There are other ways that we can learn to pray. We can study study the prayers of Jesus and and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter in the scriptures. We can can learn from other people uh, in prayer as well. But one of the greatest ways that we learn to pray is by praying. You can think think of prayer as kind of like a muscle. It may be weak and awkward and uncomfortable at first, but the more you exercise it, the stronger and easier and more toned that it will become. And even though one of the best ways that we learn to pray is by praying, I still want to share with you some some of these practical how-to things about how to pray effectively, powerfully, and biblically. And the first thing is this, pray to God relationally. Pray to God relationally. If you remember the simple definition of prayer that I gave you at the beginning of this sermon, I said that prayer is relational communication with God. Always pray to God relationally. Pray to God as a child would talk to his or her good and loving father. And remember that God loves to hear from you and he delights in your prayers to him. There's no need to use high and lofty words or King James kind of language when you pray to God. Your prayers don't have to be super polished or anything like that either. Speak plainly to God in prayer. Be secure with God in prayer. Pray freely, pray boldly, pray confidently, and pray honestly. Be you in prayer just as you are. Jesus himself is our perfect role model when it comes to just about everything in our Christian walk. And we see that Jesus prayed to God relationally pretty much every time that he prayed. The only time that I can think of that Jesus did not pray relationally is when he was on the cross as the embodiment of our sins. Besides that, Jesus Christ prayed relationally every single time. So Let's be people who pray to God relationally as well. Pray to God relationally as your father. Next, have a heart posture of all reverence, respect, and humility towards God in prayer. Have a heart posture of all reverence, respect, and humility towards God in prayer. God is our good, loving, merciful, and relational Father, but he is also the Lord God Almighty. He is also God Most High. He's also the King of Glory. He is also the Alpha and the Omega. He is the King of Kings, and he is the Mighty One that nothing and no one else even comes close to comparing to. Because of these things, it's important that we approach God with awe and reverence and respect and humility so that we can honor him in these things. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 2, the scriptures say, Do not be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. What the scripture from Ecclesiastes is saying is that we should not rush into the presence of God, yapping all over the place with our words. Because Jesus Christ has made us sons and daughters of God, we can go into God's presence relationally and and approach God's throne with confidence and boldness and freedom and joy, just as the scriptures say in the book of Hebrews and the book of Ephesians. So let's be people who do approach God with confidence and boldness and freedom and joy. But when we do so, let's be people who approach him with awe and reverence and respect and humility and with a heart that just marvels at him. And when this verse from Ecclesiastes says to let your words be few, that doesn't mean that we have to limit our word count in our prayers. Your prayers don't have to be less than 150 characters or, or anything like that. What it simply means is that we should not rush into God's presence yapping with our words. It's telling us that we should be a people who come into God's presence with awe and reverence as we are mindful of his power, his glory, his holiness, and his sovereignty. If, you, if you've ever been around me when I, when I pray, personally, um, usually some, sometimes even just for a few seconds, other times for, for minutes at a time, uh, if I'm by myself, sometimes really extended amounts of time, I start my prayers in complete silence. I don't, I don't say, hey, yo, God, you know, da, 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 da. like, I, I come to God, and I just let my heart just be with him, and marvel at him, and respect his holiness, and his grandeur, I can tell you, brothers and sisters, when you do that, the prayer you're about to pray changes. Because if you don't do that, your prayers are probably going to be about you. But when you do that, oh baby, your prayers are about that guy. Let's be people who, yes, come to God with confidence and freedom and boldness and joy, but also with awe and reverence and respect and humility. Next, when you bring requests to God in prayer, whether it be for yourself or for others, always pray with faith and expectation. Always pray with faith and expectation. In James 1, 6 through 7, the scriptures say, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So here in the scripture from James, we see it as very, very important for us to pray our prayers with faith. Faith that God is infinitely able to do all things. Faith that God can immeasurably, can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So let's pray to him like that is true. And let's bring our request to God with expectation. In Psalm 5 3, King David says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. That, that's in, that, that is in the Bible. That is Psalm 5.3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Do we pray expectantly that you would be more surprised if your prayer did not get answered than if you do? If you're, playing, if you're praying in line with God's will, of course. Praying expectantly. Let's be people who so believe in God and so believe in his power and his abilities that when we pray, we pray with expectation. We expect it to be done as long as it, as long as it is in line with God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And now with that stuff about praying with expectation said, it's also very, very important that we bring our requests to God with humility of heart and reverent submission as well. In prayer, we do not make demands of God. God will not be demanded of. Rather, we humbly bring requests in prayer. God doesn't owe us anything, and anything that he does give us or provide for us or do for us in response to our prayers is because he is so merciful and gracious, not because we're entitled to it. And if God's response to our request is ever no or not yet, we have to trust that God, in his sovereignty, always knows best, and we have to trust that in his love, he is always for us as well. Tim Keller, who's a Christian author and pastor in New York City, once said, we can be sure our prayers are answered precisely in the way we would want them to be answered if we knew everything God knows. I want to give you some tips about the content of your prayers. Because I know that a question that some of you may have is what do I say in prayer? Or what do I talk about um, with God in prayer? And these are great questions. So I wanna give you you some tips and teaching about the content of your prayers. And to do this, I first wanna introduce you to two acronyms that can help guide you and lead you and inspire you in prayer. And the two prayer acronyms are ACTS and TACOS. Um, Yeah, ACTS ACTS and TACOS. Um, The ACTS acronym stands for Adoration, Confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Since it's not on the screen, I'll say it again. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And if you're unfamiliar with that word supplication, it just means our requests, like, like our prayer requests. And the TACOs acronym stands for thanksgiving, adoration, confession, others, and self. Thanksgiving, adoration, confession, others, and self. So you can see that both of these acronyms are very similar to, to each other, and you, do, you don't have to use a prayer acronym, okay? But if you do want to use a prayer acronym, pra- prayer acronym I just encourage you to pick one of these and just go with it. I actually, it's, it sounds funny, but I personally, I, I personally prefer the tacos prayer acronym. <laughs> yeah, tacos are good, right? Um, um, not just because not just of that, um, but because it clearly emphasizes the importance of lifting up prayer requests, not just for ourselves, but also for others as well, right? That, that's why I prefer the tacos prayer acronym. Um, let's not be selfish with our prayers, right? We can and we should pray for our own needs, because even Jesus prayed for his own needs, but let's be people who also pray for the needs of others as well. And I, I want to Um, quickly like hit on each letter of tacos and just briefly very briefly explain what what each each of them means Uh, but before but uh, before I do that I want to let you know that these acronyms are guides to help you not cages to restrict you okay these prayer acronyms are guides to help you not cages to restrict you and what I mean by this is that these, prayers, these prayer acronyms aren't specific formulas that you have to use or that you have to abide by when you're praying to God. God doesn't mandate that you have to pray in this specific way for your prayers to truly count or anything like that. And I'm very passionate about making this clear to you this morning because when I was a kid, I held the belief that, I did, that if I didn't pray my prayers in a specific way with a specific order and didn't end my prayer by reciting the Lord's Prayer, then my prayer didn't actually count and that my prayer wasn't actually accepted by God. And it may sound very silly to you that I believed that when I was a kid, but I did. That's how I operated. But thankfully, that is not what we have to do. There is no specific formula or specific order that we must abide by when we pray. These prayer acronyms are just meant to be guides that help you, not a cage to restrict you. With, and now with that said, let, let's hit on each letter of, of tacos. T, thanksgiving. So this is all just about thanking God for who he is, what he has done, whether it be biblically or, or in, uh, in the modern day as well, just giving thanks to God for who he is, what he has done, what he what has given us, what he has not given us, just, just thanking God for anything and everything. And don't limit yourself in this. I thank God for so much every single day, even just for, for a beautiful day, for grass, uh, yes, Susie and I live right beside the zoo and I was walking by the flowers the other day. I was like, God, thank you. This beauty, you, you created this. God, thank you. A, adoration. Adoration is about praising God and loving God and, and marveling at God for who he is and his character, his heart, his goodness, and his glory. It's, it's, it's adoring him, right? And this is really where that, that heart posture of awe and reverence and respect and humility comes into play and, and even where it's fostered. in right? this adoration. C, confession. It's about confessing our sins to God and asking him for forgiveness, asking asking him to help us repent moving forward. Uh, And I'm actually going to be preaching on confession next month, so I'm not going to reveal too much more about that. Um, O is for others, lifting up prayer requests on behalf of others. Friends, family members, housemates, classmates, your enemies, government officials, the lost, the broken, the oppressed, the unreached. And S is self. Um, lifting up our own needs, our own cares, and our own requests before God, and I have kind of my own little, uh, its own little section here, some specific how-to tips for when, for when we bring requests to God in prayer, and and, uh, I have no idea how long I've gone so far, but we're, we're, we're about to land the plane, so just stick stick with me, okay, because these things are very, very important, okay, so get your second wind if you need to, get your third wind if you need to, just stick with me, okay, so some specific how-to tips about bringing our requests to God, whether we're praying for ourselves or for others. Um, and the fir- the uh, first how-to is-, is that, pray for yourself and pray for others. Don't be selfish in your prayers, okay? Definitely pray for your own needs, but pray for others as well. Have a heart of compassion for them. And as we've already talked about earlier, always pray with faith and expectation as you're bringing requests to God. And actually, like a part of this, actually be on the lookout for God's, resp- God's answer to your prayers. Like actually, actually be on the lookout for them. Actually be looking for them. Because I think sometimes we like go to God and we pray, and then we don't pay attention at all to see like what, what's happening there. Right? So actually be on the lookout when, when you pray prayers. Okay? This is part of what it means and what it looks like to pray with expectation. Next, thank and praise God when he answers your prayers. Thank and praise God when he answers your prayers. And this is another important reason why it's so important to be on the lookout for your prayers. Um, next, prioritize the most important things in your prayer requests. Prioritize the most important things in your prayer requests. When you look at, in the scriptures, when you look at the prayers of Jesus and Peter and Paul and John, you see that so many of their prayer requests were so spiritually focused. They were so vertically focused. Okay? And you can absolutely bring your, any and all requests to God in prayer. You know, your, your apartment search or, 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 or job search or, um, I don't know, just getting through the day or, or, or anything like that. But I really encourage you in this to prioritize the most important things in, in prayer. And to pray the things that you see in scripture. Luke 10 2. You know, pray you know, the the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Prioritize praying for that. Prioritize praying that we would, that we would come to understand the height and depth and width of God's love, right? Prioritize the most important things in your prayers. Next, fight in prayer. Fight in prayer. Don't be passive. When you bring requests to God in faith, you are participating in offensive spiritual warfare. Prayer is not some rinky-dink, soft, religious activity. Prayers of supplication is legitimately war. Spiritual war. Now, as Christians, it's important that we have a mindset of war when it comes to prayer. Um, and in Colossians four, 4.12, Paul writes this. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in." In all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Let's be people who wrestle in prayer. Don't just like, just kind of flippantly or passively send up a prayer here and there. Let's wrestle in prayer. Let's really just commit ourselves to giving giving requests to God for the advancement of His kingdom, the advancement of His glory. In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul's writing, and he talks about that He has weapons of righteousness in the left hand and in the right right? Prayer is our weapon. It's a spiritual weapon, and our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Next, persist in prayer. This kind of goes uh, hand in hand with the fight in prayer. Persist in prayer. Don't just pray for something once and then move on, and don't let our culture of instant gratification sneak its way into your prayer life. Persist in prayer. Pray specifically. Pray specific requests, right? There's a lot of boldness. There's a lot of, a lot of faith in that. Pray specific requests in your prayers. And, and this, make sure that your prayer requests are in line with the word of God. Make sure that your prayer requests are in line with the word of God. And this is actually one that I want to expand on. And this is a very, very important point. And I believe that this will actually have profound impact on some of you and maybe even many of you. And I believe that it will very much impact your views of prayer and even how you view God. So I want you all to listen to me very closely as I explain this to you. I think that some of you struggle to believe that God is for you and you struggle to believe that God is good and you struggle to believe that God truly does answer prayers because there are prayers that you have prayed or have been praying to God for a while that you haven't seen answered yet and if you're being, answer- if you're being honest it has led to a ton of frustration and anger and disappointment in your heart. And I want to press into that, because I think that in some of those circumstances, maybe not all the circumstances, but I would dare to say many of them, the problem or the issue isn't on God's part. Rather, I think that the problem is sometimes in the specific prayer that you have been praying. The problem or the issue might be that the prayer you have been praying isn't biblically aligned. Okay? Now let me give you an example of this to, to, to further explain. This is actually an example I'm familiar with. I've actually talked with some of you about. Let's say there's a sin that you've been struggling with for a long, long time, right? And you've gone to God and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. And And you, and you said, God, please take this sin away from me. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's been your prayer. I would dare to say that that prayer is not very biblically aligned. When you say, God, take this sin away from me. What do I mean by that? What are you expecting God to do in response to that prayer? When you pray, God, take this sin away from me, what are you actually expecting him to do? Do you want him to take away your free will so that you can never choose sin again? I can tell you he's not going to do that. Are you going to... um, Or or do you want him to make it so that you don't experience temptation ever again? I can tell you that he's not going to do that either, because he would literally have to separate you from your flesh to bring you in in, and bring you to heaven in order to do that. What are you expecting God to do in response to that kind of prayer? I don't think it's very biblically aligned just say, God, take this sin away from me. Now, I'll tell you what the better prayers to pray are. 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, "No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a, provide a way out so that you can endure it. So in light of this scripture, I would pray, God thank you that I can overcome every temptation and that you don't allow me to be tempted beyond what I can bear. God thank you that you always provide a way out when I'm tempted. God help me to see the way out and give me the strength to take the way out so I don't have to give in to the sin. In Jesus' name, amen. You see how that prayer is much, much different than God, take this sin away from me? Because when you say, God, take this sin away from me, your expectation is God is God's gonna come, he's gonna go, poof, gone. And because, because of that, you're still in your sin. Right? But if you come in, into it with this, this perspective that you have a role to play, Okay, you come into this with, with this perspective, this biblical perspective that God does not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, that he always provides a way out. That's what you pray into, right? And how Romans 6 tells us that we have died to sin, and that we're free from sin. Pray into that. Pray, God, help me to believe that I truly am free from sin. Another example, let, let's say that you have like, a, uh, like an elderly family member or something, um, and they're like 100 years old, right? This, this isn't so much in line with, with, with praying in line with the word of God, but praying in line with the truth. Something to pray for them is not to keep them alive, right? Because we, we all die. That's, that's, that's the progression of things in this life, right? But rather, the things that you pray in that time, pray that they would be comforted, right? Pray that they would know Jesus. Pray that they would be at peace. Pray for the medical per- personnel who are taking care of them those things. So make sure that you're praying in line with the word of God in these ways. And lastly, intentionally prioritize prayer. Intentionally prioritize prayer. There are so many distractions in this life around us, and we, and we tend to get so busy. And the spiritual enemy wants to keep us from praying as well, because he wants to sabotage our witness with God. And because the spiritual enemy knows the mighty power of prayer because of these things, it's very important that we all actively and intentionally prioritize prayer in our lives. So put prayer time into your calendar, set reminders to pray on your phone, wear a rubber band on your wrist that will help you remember to pray, do whatever you need to do to actively and intentionally prioritize prayer in your life. And I encourage you to have time with God and prayer daily in the secret place, where it's just focused on him, it's just you and God in prayer, right? You can and you should definitely just be in conversation with God throughout the day, but also have that time where it's just just focused on prayer as well. So like I said, we've covered a lot of content on prayer here this morning. And it's my prayer that these things that I've shared with you today have encouraged you, inspired you, and equipped you to prioritize prayer, to have strong, vibrant prayer lives. Uh, I'm gonna pray over us to close, and then Grant is actually gonna come up and pray over or uh, lead us in scripture-guided prayer. Um, because I said earlier when we were talking about the content of your prayers that you can you can use tacos and acts to help you in that. Something you can also do is that you can pray the word of God back to God. The word of God is not just the primary way in which God speaks to us. It can also give us the very words to pray back to God as well, and that's what we do in scripture guided prayer, and I encourage you to do that on your own as well, and you can do it with just about any text in the Bible. And, and, And there's one more thing that I realized I forgot to to share with you about the point of pursuing God's presence in prayer and being with him in prayer, that doesn't always have to be a super emotional experience, okay? When you pursue the presence of God in prayer and you're with him in prayer, that doesn't always have to be a super emotional experience, right? Pursue God in truth. Celebrate who he, am, who he is in the truth and you will absolutely have those times where you're just so emotionally charged, emotionally overflowing in the presence of God. But it doesn't always have to be that way. Right? So I'm going to pray over us and grant's going to come up. Father God, we love you. Father God, we thank you for everything that you are. Everything that you've done. God, you're You're beautiful. God, you've been very kind to me this morning and I thank you for that. God, we just love you so much. God, thank you for the gift of prayer. God, again, I pray that the things that were of you today, God, would penetrate our hearts and change us. God, if there were any things that were not of you, God, I pray that you would just let them fall to the floor. God, we love you. We thank you that you are approachable and God, that you desire to be with us. And God, we cry out to you, God, that we desire to be with you. And God, we just pray you would help us and lead us and guide us in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.